Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
absolutely amazing. For those of you who missed out, you missed out. You missed out on a great time, but that's okay because we're putting together a DVD and um, digital downloads, and so we'll have all that ready. Hopefully, it'll be ready by the end of November, beginning of December. That is what we are aiming for, but you, man, man, I'm telling you all now, start saving up your United Negro Conference funds for next year because we're going to have it in Houston, Texas next year, October, the middle of October. I'm doing the same thing this year that I did last year because I told you last year that this was going to happen. I didn't have an exact date or location, but I told you it was going to happen, and it did. So next year, Houston, Texas, we're working all that out. We have meetings and all of that coming up, and this is for you. Like I said, this was a labor of love. We we wanted to bring this to you. We enjoyed every minute of it. We enjoyed every person that we met. We look forward to seeing you guys online and working with you and collaborating and talking with you. And, again, like I said during the conference, well, during the panel that um, I moderated, you know, we're here for you. You don't have to walk this by yourself. You can reach out to any of us, any of us. You know, I know Dr. Hutchinson, um, Dr. Penn, Donald Wright, Raina Jen, any of them will be happy to hear from you, and they'll reach back, you know, myself, of course, and you have a number of other people, but you don't have to be out here. You don't have to be alone. You know, you have, you know, a, a big, big, big community. Even though, you know, there are some people that are still closeted, they will still correspond and talk with you. But, you know, everybody that was there this weekend, everybody seemed to be out. And we talked about a number of things. And, like I said, I'm just excited. And I don't want to hog up the microphone. So I'm going to give Jen and Raina some time to speak. You want to go first, then? No, go ahead, Raina. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> we had a really good time. Um, if you weren't there, you you really missed out. It was it was a great time. You know, we had some really great speakers and some um, some interesting panel discussions. Um, some pro- some some people would probably think we're a little bit more interesting than others. <laughs> but um, you know, for a reason we'll get into later. But um. But no, I mean it was it was great. I mean I think the I think the only complaint that any of us could really have is that it didn't last longer, <laughs> and that the time flew by so quickly, you know. Exactly. So. Yes, definitely. Um, I feel exhilarated, and I feel um, honored that I was a part of such a landmark event. Um, it's great. It's it was. It was just it was just awesome in many ways and you just had you just had to be there, you know, and I'm and I'm encouraging you that I mean, anyone who wasn't there last year to definitely be there. I mean, we had some great panels. I got to meet some of my Facebook friends and uh Twitter buddies for the first time that, you know, we've been corresponding or interacting online for a while and um I got to meet new friends, and it just was just um, great to reconnect with people that I've um, associated with for a while. And I just feel like overall I've extended my family, and that's 
that's just a remarkable feeling. Um, that's something to celebrate. And I mean, we talked about we talked about some issues, but you know, once we were not on the panels and just behind the scenes, and a lot of the conversations we were having. I mean, I just floated from conversation to conversation, and and just uh, got to talk about so many issues and just just have that just form um, new bonds and make inroads with people and I mean I I just can't go on um enough about how um impressed I was with how how things went and I think it's gonna be a great opportunity for us to open up dialogue about things that um a lot of um non believers <coughs> a lot of non believers, skeptics and uh you know, even people of the of the uh, faith-based community. Uh, I, I mean, it's just it's it's just going to it's just going to um, open up so many so many avenues of ways that we can build, um, uplift, and help our community. Not just not just for uh, people of color within the atheist community, but for all of us in the community. Exactly. And, I just encourage I just encourage you all to kind of follow um some of the progress that that um you know people of color beyond faith has made and special thanks to um black skeptics and their scholarship program and I would just I, I just can't wait to see what comes of it and how how much we can uh introduce services and things to the to the community from a secular perspective. You know, I'm telling you people out there, you uh, churches can't hog all the fun. <laughs> they get there at all. We, we, <laughs> we got to get in there, too. We got to get our hands dirty, too, you know, and and work with us. And, you know, once again, thank you. You know, thank you very much. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Dr. Hutchinson. Um, thank you, Raina. You know, thank you um, to... You know everyone out there that that supported supported me personally in my road out there, and you know even thank you to so many people I know from uh, Jersey and Pennsylvania. Shout out to you all, um, Black Atheists of Philadelphia. Shout out to um, to uh, New Jersey Humanist Network. <laughs> um, I mean, shout out to all my friends in Free Thought with the Philadelphia Coalition of Reason, and I mean, our our groups that are represented there. And oh man, I just can't wait to just see you all and embrace you all, and have have so much, so many conversations with you, and and work on projects together. I I just can't go on enough. And thanks again. There you just go. thank you. Hey, it was like I said, it was a labor of love. Is this Rev on the phone? This is. Hey. Hey. Hey, this weekend was absolutely phenomenal, and we talked about so many different issues. And, Rev, would you like to share with everybody um, about your weekend, what you walked away with, how you felt? Oh, my. Um, I I don't even know where to begin. Um, I'm still in process. From what happened this weekend, I'm like really still in process. I've been telling people about this. I've been 
talking to my uh, Buddhist mentor. I mean, I done searched out humanist groups here in Baltimore. I've been asking questions. I think it's just it's amazing. Um, like, and all these black humanists are, like, popping out of the woodwork for my friends. I'm like, really? Oh, I didn't even know that you were on that vibe. I think that, that just some of the, the, the strongest takeaway that I got from this conference was that regardless of, non-belief or belief, we have to come together at this time. That's right. Like this is, we are really at a critical juncture in our history as African people and in this country. And, I mean, but it also mirrors, right, what happened at the beginning of the last century with the lynchings right. um, and the um, lawlessness enacted by um, uh, uh, white supremacist forces at that time. And so the rise of, of black consciousness, and we are seeing the same thing, and it is occurring it's, because we forgot. See, we forgot. And that's the thing, because I I um, posted an article a while ago, and, you know, a white young man just got absolutely angry and said, why am I posting this? And he felt that we were promoting hate. But it was an article talking about us having a new anti-lynching movement. It referenced Ida B. Wells, of course, and it was comparing the lynching, you know, anti-lynching movement then to what's happening now with them just shooting our boys and girls, men and women out in the street. And, you know, it was just doing, you know, a comparative analysis saying that the environments were the same and it's fostering that same type of fear in, in many communities of color. So I'm definitely on the same page with you there. And I love the fact that believers and non-believers are coming together. We're talking about these issues, and we're getting organized, and we're moving forward, and we're working together. Because, again, outside of ideology, we all live in these communities. We walk down the street with one another. Why not smile and say hello? You know, if your if your right. neighbor across the street is, let's say your neighbor across the street is, you know, a Wiccan and they're struggling, why can't you take some groceries over there? Why don't we have right. food pantries to help people in the community? Why don't we have, you know, different services available that have been pretty much dominated by people of faith? We can have the same services out there, and we need to put those same services out there, which is why, you know, what Dr. Hutchison, you know, has planned um, for Los Angeles and the subsequent cities, you know, that um, we have groups in, you know, we have a lot of plans for the future, but right now we're just trying to get people out of the house so, you know, they're not mm-hmm. online activists, you know, or armchair activists trying right. to get people out there <laughs> to come to these meetings to start doing social, more social justice work because there are a lot of people in the community, in the atheist community that work in the community, but, you know, they don't really talk much about it. We want them to share those experiences and invite someone else to come in and work with them, and that's how we get that domino effect. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. We, and the, the interesting thing is that these conversations are happen, happen, happening simultaneously in non-Christian communities as well. I know here in Baltimore, um, the Nitrian Buddhist community um, just got a community. We just opened a community center here in Baltimore, Baltimore City, actually. And um, that community is trying to decide how to do outreach 
to the community right. and the members are stepping up. And so the, the, the point of the the whole point of it is is that as much a tragedy that we face, I think that there's an equal rise in not just consciousness but unity and unity in action. And I saw that, that this conference really embodied that. And I wanted to thank you, Dr. Hutchinson, Raina, Jen, all the beautiful brothers and sisters that I met who are on really the forefront of raising consciousness. And I think that that's the important thing, and I, I realize this as well, that a lot of times um, it is the consciousness that binds us together. I had someone uh, uh, inbox me the other day and question my postings. You know, you're supposed to be a minister. Why are you promoting um, racism? And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Oh, oh when I question white supremacy, I'm promoting racism. And this was a black person that um, sent this to me. And oftentimes, think about this, oftentimes those who are most invested in white supremacy are not just white people who are white supremacists. Right. A lot of us right. are, are being bankrolled by this white supremacy, and any time, you know, there are there are people of consciousness that rock the boat, they get upset. I mean, look at Uncle Buckus, the guy from, from Django. <laughs> it's our house. Exactly. No. Exactly. No. And, and no, I'm glad you brought that no. up. Yeah, because Raina and I, uh, Raina knows I've been wanting to do a show on white supremacy for a while, and, you know, personally, I think the conversation is going to be a hard conversation. That inbox mm-hmm. you get is, you know, one example of it because what's interesting is, you know, even with this conference, the concept and the premise behind this conference, we got more pushback from people of color than we did from white initially. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. that was, you know, the irony of it. And then afterwards we had some, you know, dude bros, you know, write a little column and we got a little pushback, but it's just interesting. But yes, you know what I find interesting. I was going to say one thing, Kim. Sorry. Oh, I just oh, wanted I just to say, say something off I was of it. Yeah, I just want. Go ahead. Go ahead, Raina. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I was just going to say one thing off of what um, what Rev said um, regarding the um, white supremacy thing about the right. you know people of color being invested in white supremacy. Um, if you don't believe her, there is a movie called Spies of Mississippi. And that documentary, that documentary is really good because it talks about um, people who were basically hired as spies for the state of Mississippi to spy on, you know, civil rights organizations and report back all the information that they saw. And these were people who were afraid that integration would harm their status as, you know, ministers or, you know, community leaders, and they didn't want to see that happen. And so they decided that because they they figured that white supremacy was going to win out, that they might as well secure their spot. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, since you already rolled that snowball down the hill, let's roll with it. Because, you know, not only with that, you know, um, a lot of people don't seem to know the facts behind the civil rights movement. And I'm bringing this up for a reason. Like you were saying, you know, they had hired spies to keep an eye on people participating and organizing and strategizing the civil rights movement. What's even, you know, um, more insidious about that particular situation is, again, after the civil rights movement was successful, you had believers come in and usurp the message when people don't realize that the civil rights movement started 
And I'm not even talking about the 50s. I'm going all the way back to slavery. The civil rights movement has always been a secular movement. And during the 50s and the 60s, less than 5% of the church supported Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. They saw him as a troublemaker. They saw him as the quote-unquote big man coming to town. Less than 5% of the black church supported Martin Luther King. They wanted the status quo. They were comfortable with where they were and what they had, and they didn't want to lose. They didn't want to stir the pot. And to take that, you know, snowball that's rolling down a hill and kick it in another direction, <laughs> you see the same thing in the atheist community. What's interesting is you have some, you know, people of color, namely black atheists in this community, that are actually angry with us because we talk about, you know, anti-racism. We talk about anti-sexism. We talk about, you know, we advocate for anti-racism, you know, and all of these things. And we put down homophobes and we put down the sexist and the misogynist, but then they turn around and try to accuse us of guilting the white people in this community. No, it's not that we're guilting the white people in the community. We just shining a spotlight on their bullshit. And the thing is, is that we're holding them accountable. Exactly. Holding them accountable for what they're doing. But see, this is the thing. These particular black atheists, one specific one who has declared her sovereignty, bah, anyway, um, um, you know, she, she really thinks that basically if she shows the white people that she's on their side and that she's a respectable good negress, if you will, that all the money will flow to her. No, my dear, that is not how it works. You are fooling yourself. Maybe you need to go back and do some introspection, if you will, and realize that although you disavow black nationalism, it is a part of you. You are nothing but a white supremacist in black face with a bad weave. Ooh. Yes. Ouch. Wow. Ouch. Wow. Ouch. That, Ouch. That's, that, that's, that's, I mean, you know, that, that's okay. real talk. Wow. And it's real, yeah, it's real talk. Yeah, it's real talk it's real talk in, 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 in believing communities, too, and I think that part of the mythos um, of certain black churches is that, you know, everybody was on board. And, I you know, we have to be reminded that King actually had to start, the uh, King and his contemporaries actually had to start the Southern Christian Leadership Conference because the National Baptists and the other older black, uh, black Baptist organizations didn't want to have anything to do with him. And, and really the church actually is usually the slowest and the last to change as we see the Roman Catholics backpedaled on some half-assed statement about gays or whatever, and I didn't really expect them. I mean, I, I thought that, that was a a publicity stunt anyway. But, you know, people are waiting for a change from the church. The church is not invested in change. I don't – it's kind of insane, really, if you think about it. The church is not invested in change at all. No, it's exactly. And not. not. It's not. And in, in fact, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it actually no, works better for them in a lot of ways. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't even hear what she said. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm done with my statement. Re- I said it actually okay. works better for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. Okay. Is this Chevalier 318? 
This is Shabaya, yes. Hey! Well, hey, y'all. How are you? I'm good. I'm well. Tell us about the weekend. I to join the party. <laughs> Tell us about your weekend. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, I did. I got my life this past weekend. It was beautiful uh, being around people of color, majority black, who weren't really, you know, I didn't have to check any um, of my identities at the door at this particular conference, so that was a beautiful thing, a lovely thing. Yes, I very much enjoyed it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We're going to pick back up where Raina and Rev, you know, were talking. And you're, both of you all, you are absolutely on the right track. You know, the, the church is invested in the status quo. They're comfortable where they are and they're comfortable where things are. And also, if you go back, you know, a lot of the racism that has been perpetuated in this country has come through the church. When we had Dr. Jeffrey Perry on the show and we were talking about, you know, what happened in a lot of these cities, um, you know, he talked about the church. And when I had Christopher Everett on talking about Wilmington on fire, you know, we talked about how. Hmm? Yeah, I was just I was just saying Wilmington, uh, Tulsa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of those places, Rosewood, Tulsa, Wilmington, when they would put the edicts up, especially the curfews and the new rules pertaining to people of color, they would nail them to the church's door. And when Christopher Everett was on the show and he was talking about when they started running the blacks out of Wilmington, North Carolina, that the pastors and the priests were standing outside of the door of doors of the church and going to some of their black members' homes and saying, we know you're there, come out, it's the rule of law. And Martin Luther King Jr. himself said that Sunday, you know, that was the most, you know, segregated, segregated hour of the hour. week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, that's one of the reasons why we are confronting the church. That's one of the reasons why we're trying to build, you know, these bridges and work together. Now, you know, we're talking about more liberal, progressive churches. You know, fire and brimstone, you know, um, God hates fags churches, they ain't going to like us. You know what? You know what, though? I have to to say something, too, because this is something that I've observed. You know, and and I was talking to somebody about this. It, it came up on another podcast that you and I called into, actually, Kim. I think, or at least you listened to. But um, you know, is this is you know the church also because of post racialism has kind of you know those elements that actually were sort of addressing civil rights issues in a substantive way. I feel like a lot of them have been shamed into silence because of this whole right. post racialism nonsense. And so, I mean, listening to you know people like Jeremiah Wright. You know what I mean? Who, you know, got, who basically was just shamed into silence, you know, for, for basically right. speaking the truth about the United States and the fact that the United States is, you know, when it's not actively involved in oppressing people, it's complicit, you know? Exactly. Like, so, I mean, it's like we've, we've allowed, um, the, you know, the, or the church, you know, and its leaders have allowed themselves to, to be forced into silence by this whole post-racial crap, you know? Exactly, and that's absolutely true. And if you pay attention, you know, especially to what's happening down in Ferguson, 
like I said, these millennials, these children are giving me life. I didn't have much hope for them at the beginning, but now I'm like, all right now. But, you know, these children down there, they are, you know, dismissing the religious platitudes. They're like, no, they're telling these ministers and reverends, the ones that are telling them to go home and be quiet. They're telling them, no, you go home and you be quiet. You know, they're they're fighting for their future. Right. Absolutely. I was very, uh, oh, my goodness, I, I was so bolstered by their show of bravery, by their willingness to really defy and create change. I mean, and they're taking it to places. They're taking it to the Cards game. They're taking it That's to right. the Rams game. There is no place that they will not go to say that Black Lives Matter and to show and prove. And I, I just wanted to say in terms of, I'm going back to Raina's point about the, uh, you know, uh, progressive ministers being silent, particularly around racial issues. The, the other part is that when these ministers speak out, they often do not have the support they need right. to mm-hmm. continue to speak out. So they're ashamed because the machine, the church machine comes down on them, and then the other progressives kind of like scattered like roaches. And I've seen right. that particularly um, in, in terms of same-sex marriage when minister, when black ministers started saying, you know, our, our congregation is welcome and affirming, people lost thousands of people coming to their church, like literally. Exactly. And um, there, was, there was no one that, um, you know, they had they soldiered on with the few people that they had. But for the most part, a lot of those progressive ministers did not have the support of our own community as African Americans or people of African descent. And then, you know, the larger so-called queer community didn't come in until later, until, you know, it was apparent that they had already gathered their following or whatever sheet was left, and they, you know, wrote a grant, and now they can make money off of them. That's the real situation right. that I've seen over and over and over again. Right, and exactly. um, actually that that situation is – actually that situation has – has happened in relation to secular um, social justice activism. Uh, Sakiba exactly. Hutchinson had a church that she was working with, and um, the minister there was um, his his job was in jeopardy just because he, you know, wanted to have these, um, you know, these dialogues with people in the secular community over issues of social justice and, you know, gay rights and all types of issues. So exactly. Exactly, and, you know, we were hoping that he would come to the conference because we do want more people of faith to come and participate in these conferences. And, you know, we don't like, you know, well, you know, not really. And, uh, you know, and, <laughs> they, <laughs> and you know, we want to have these conversations. We want to build these, you know, coalitions and we have more we want, in common. I would like to see them. I would like to see them get beyond faith. That's what I would like them to right. do. Right. You know, get beyond faith. Get beyond. Get beyond um, hurting people. Um, get beyond taking tithes and and donate and giving them to to organizations that are anti hate, anti trans, right. anti gay, anti woman. I mean, it, it's. It's about time, people, you know. <laughs> it's, right, about, exactly. it's about time. It's about time. I mean, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I, 
I have I have a I I have a limitation. Like I have, I I'm okay with the idea of working with working with um communities of faith on on common interest things like um you know HIV testing day or you know helping out at a pantry or um feet, uh, or or helping with a clothing drive or or a walk that that um that helps someone like a cancer walk or or something that's community based with community service. I have no problem with that. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna sit up there with you uh on your Sundays. And that doesn't mean that and that doesn't mean that I respect the mes- the message that they're sharing on their Sundays, but I respect their right to share their message. Right. And um and that's the thing about coming together and giving back to the community and you know what Raina said was correct about you know us seeing some of the same issues in the secular community that kind of um tethered to what Rev was saying, you know, getting volunteers, getting people to um come out and volunteer and be a part of the community and help out. Just like, you know, Rev was saying that, you know, these progressive liberal pastors are having problems with people supporting them. We have we have the same issues on this side, which is one of the reasons why I know that we can get a lot done or a lot more done if we work together. And it seems like we're kind of being forced into the middle. And, and and that is going to come about and that's going to take place. Unfortunately, you know, like in the case of the pastor that we were talking about that had that um, discussion with us on homophobia in the church, what happened is his congregation, basically they were ready to, you know, you know, run a coup, if you will, and, you know, ready to make him walk the plank. So he had to pull back, you know, because that's his livelihood. And it ties into something that we were talking about um, during the conference. There are some people, and I'm not talking about that pastor in particular. I'm talking in general because we did discuss the clergy project. So this is in relation to the clergy project. I don't want anyone taking what I'm saying out of context. So, you know, in regards to the clergy project, the clergy project is – basically a group of people that have come together, um, pastors or ex-pastors, ministers or ex-ministers, people who are in leadership or are in leadership at the church, but they no longer believe. And they came together, they have that coalition where they can talk and discuss some issues. What a lot of people don't seem to understand, and, and this is where, you know, the paradox comes in. With many of these people, all of their education or the majority of their education was toward religious, you know, um, theology, religious studies, things of that nature. So this is all they know how to do. So if they were to leave their positions as pastors or missionaries or evangelists or what have you, then what will they do? How will they support themselves and their family? This is what they know how to do, and which is where the danger comes in, because some people see, you know, the ministry as a career. And unfortunately, I'm starting to see that in the atheist community as well, people seeing this as a mm. career, you know, it's mm. a parallel. Yes. Mm. And they see as a career, and what they're trying to do is establish themselves in, as professional atheists. And so it's just it's interesting because I always do a comparative analysis 
And there are people in the secular community who get angry at me because of this, but I'm seeing the same things over here that I saw over there. What can we do that is different? But, you know, getting back, you know, we need support. And you all right. heard us and say all, this. Go ahead. And all all atheists all all atheists are not humanists. Um, right. right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, and and I just. You know, I want to work with people that are humanists, whether whether on the faith side or the, or, or people that are um, skeptical, non-believer side. Um, I want to work with humanists. Period. You know, right. you can't you can't be a, you can't call yourself a, a humanist if you do not if you do not embrace all humanity. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what did you say this weekend, Raina? That was so profound. <laughs> I don't know about profound, but what I said was <laughs> that if your if your quote unquote humanist organization is a you know is isn't doing anti racism work, then it's not a humanist organization. So Which you include, take that for you take that for what you you take that for what you will. I didn't say any names, so don't run and tell somebody that I said such and such organization wasn't a humanist organization. You look at your you look at your organization and you do some self reflection. And then you come to a conclusion, you know. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we we hit on you know a lot of different issues, and um, again, you know, we're seeing some of the parallels. But what it all boils down to is, you know, our communities are dying. You know, our children, our brothers, our sisters, cousins, neighbors, they're being shot in the streets. And and, and there are no repercussions for many of these, you know, police officers that are doing this, many of these, um, you know, so-called officers of the law. You know, it's a police state. It has returned Mm -hmm. to a police state. It never stopped being a police state. They just militarized it even more. And, you know, mm-hmm. these are issues that need to be dealt with. You know, that's why I said the young folks down in Ferguson, they have motivated me. I left this, I mean, I was already motivated coming to the conference. I left the conference even more motivated, especially seeing those young people on the panel, you know, discussing the prison, I mean, the school to prison pipelining. They were absolutely amazing, um, those young people, and, and they mean it. And they're out here, and they're organizing, and they're strategizing. Yeah, and that was uh, a- Ashley Franklin, Mark Anthony, and uh, Tanisha Denard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What are the names of their organizations? I want to make sure that they, you know, get some love uh, as well. Labor. Okay. I labor didn't... community. Yeah, labor and community. Labor community um, strategy center. Uh, coalition to End Sheriff Violence in L.A. Jails and Youth Justice Coalition. Youth Justice Coalition, right. All right, you all, write that down. And, you know, um, again, they need volunteers if you're in the area. And it's not just in Los Angeles. This is happening across the country. We discussed mass movements. We discussed grassroots activism, community activism, social justice activism. It's just, you know, again, they need the help. They need donations. I mean, even with what we're doing with people of color beyond faith and with black skeptics group 
in totality, you know, it, it takes resources. It takes human resources. It takes financial resources. We're also looking for physical resources because we want to give these babies, you know, school supplies when they go back to school. Um, we want to do some more outreach. We're doing outreach at um, LGBTQ homeless shelters. Um, we're working with homeless veterans, uh, Raina and her group. They packed lunches, and we have and Jen and her group. You know, they're working with different organizations out there. We went out for a National HIV Testing Day. We'll be going back out for World AIDS Day. So, you know, we're December pushing first. away. <laughs> exactly. March the date, December 1st. <laughs> December 1st, that's a Monday, y'all. And if you yes. check with the organizations in your area, I know many of these organizations will have events over the weekend. So if you can't make it that Monday because, you know, everybody still has to go to work to pay their bills, you know, you may be able to help them out on the weekend. So start calling in now. It's a month and a half ahead of time so you can see who's doing what. I see we have a caller from area code 916. May I ask who's calling? Hi, this is Bakari from Sacramento. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Hi. Hi. Yeah, Kimberly, I've, I've interviewed you before on, on a blog talk show. I'm not sure if you remember me. Yes, I do. I, I, I somewhat do. Which one was it? It was the, uh, the time oh, Bakari. with the uh, blog Bakari. Yeah, Bakari. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Right. Uh, yes. You wrote, okay, so for those that aren't familiar, Bukhari um, has a show on Blog Talk Radio as well, and we discussed um, um, Michelle Alexander's book. We discussed right. that, but Bukhari wrote an article this week. So the Dude Bros, um, basically, they wrote an article saying uh, that the Asian community doesn't owe your social justice movement or social justice agenda anything. And Bakari wrote a rebuttal. Bakari, you know, give us a synopsis of what you wrote there. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say, you know, praise, praise, praise of what you all are doing in L.A. We are here in Sacramento just formed a, a group about a month ago called the Black Humanists and Non-Believers of Sacramento. And we had uh, a table at the Creek Dog Day the same weekend that you all have in the conference. But uh, it took us a while, so it's like, you know, all nine black folks from Sacramento were atheists, so got together. <laughs> and uh, finally got together and got this group. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Oh, yeah. So uh, I always said if we got five people, uh, we're going to get a group going. And so we got that started, and we're going to be meeting uh, on a consistent basis. And we have a, a reason center, uh, community center kind of here so that people can meet you know, different uh, atheist groups to meet and have meetings and activities so we don't always have to go out and rent a place. But anyway, just want to say that you guys listening to you all is just so inspiring because one of the things I said in my article about, and I didn't even know this person who wrote this article, but I, I saw it and I'm like, you know, one is that I've, I've heard this before. It's like, you know, we don't owe you anything. We're not about, you know, we're atheists. We don't have to be about social justice and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, look, we can spend all this time trying to struggle against ignorance and spend all this time trying to get people to start thinking, and then you come to tell us that you're not down for social justice. You know, you know it's not a part of right. the, the agenda. And we see that from the, the, the so-called four horsemen, you know, who are right. being, you know, either self-appointed or the media has appointed them the kind of the spokesperson of the movement. And I'm thinking, you know, that happens all the time. And so to me, what I said in my article is that you all are doing the right thing. I'm not concerned about what they're doing. I'm concerned about what we're doing. 
We build our exactly. own conferences. We have our own organizations. We do our community work. And if they want to join us, fine. If they don't, we're not asking you to. Because we need to exactly. be very, very clear. Because I wouldn't, when I went to my first kind of atheist group here in Sacramento, you know, I'm thinking, well, atheists are kind of marginalized. And so they will understand other marginalized groups and cultural groups, right? I'm thinking, but I got shocked to find out that's not the case. And so right. it's like, yes, there are some things <clears throat> that are down, but there are a lot of people who are not, and we need to be clear about who we're aligning ourselves with. And that's so right. that was kind of the, the crux of my part is that, look, we need to continue to do the work we're doing, support people doing the writing, people doing the, the, the blog talk shows or the podcasts, what you all are doing. We need to support each other all the time on, on the networks, all the time, because that's what's going to get people, particularly the millennials, involved in what we're doing. They're going to see that we're out there, we're not just talking to talk, but we're trying to get organized, and we're not trying to bring them the okie-doke like they've been getting for so long. And so this is right. so, I wish I could have been down there. It was so inspiring to hear what you all are doing down there. And I've been following the pod, you know, your podcast for a number, well, about a couple of years now. But it's like it's just so good to, to hear what you all are doing. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you in Houston. Yes, yes I'm going to start saving some money for that. <laughs> but okay, definitely. <laughs> I, I got a year. I got a year. I got a year for that. So yeah, you got um, a year. You know, yeah. I, I do have some relatives there, so that'll help a little bit as well. But I think that uh, we're going to try to do something here in Sacramento. Try to do like a little mini conference or a little mini workshop, just to get people out and involved. Because I think too often we yeah, kind just of let us know at home. Yeah, yeah. You let, make sure to let us know so we can advertise for you. Yeah, we definitely, definitely will, Bakari. Yeah. Definitely. And I also okay, honey, go ahead. I just want you to, I just want to tell you to send me the information so we can put it up on Facebook and Tumblr okay. and Twitter and shout you guys out and also we can join your meetup group as well so that when you create mm-hmm. the events we'll see it. But go ahead, finish what you were gonna say. No, I was gonna say one last point. We yeah, we do have a, a Facebook page. My daughter I, I don't really do Facebook, but my daughter's taking care of the Facebook page and so it's the Black Humanist and I believe it's a Sacramento. I think if you look that up you'll see it. On there, we just posted up a couple of photos, and you'll see me in the in the photo there. So yeah, we want to definitely connect like that, and um, just you know, really, like I said, I don't get down to LA like I used to, like when I was younger. <laughs> but but you know, it's like important that we connect so that I want to learn from what you all are doing. I'm I'm concerned. I'm thinking about like you know, we we have our group now, but I'm not sure in terms of white participation in the group. I don't know. Do you guys invite? Right, people do the groups, or how do you do that? <laughs> Let's get I, don't, on I don't mean to be so blunt about Let's it. Let's get but, on you know, that topic. <laughs> I don't mean I don't oh, know. You know how to handle that. <laughs> oh man, let me cue up Tina I Turner. I don't discourage. Because... I don't discourage anyone to. I don't discourage anyone from coming um, okay. to my group. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, the reason yeah, why and, I'm, and I'm, and I'm fine. And... I'm, I'm pretty much fine with it too. But I just, I just kind of like sometimes you kind of get into topics. And, you know, I don't want people holding back because there's a white person in the room. That's the only thing that I'm concerned right. about. I want people to be able to talk and, and express themselves because a lot of times we we in spaces where we do hold back too much because we're exactly. the only one there. Because exactly. white people they go back to one of the panels, you know, over the weekend, and it, it, it was a hot panel. The um, name of the panel was What's Race Got to Do With It? And we mm. talked about you know, um, in one of the questions, we discussed basically allowing white people to join our groups and basically the difference between accommodating white folks 
and being inclusive of white people. And so there was a big discussion about that because in many of our groups, you know, we've had heated discussions as to whether we would allow white people to join our groups. And so it was mm-hmm. just, it was the that's why we're doing part two, because that right there, they they were getting ready to take it to the mat. And, Raina, if you want to kind of <laughs> give us a little oh synopsis, accommodation versus uh, inclusiveness. Can I, can I chime in on that yeah. one, too, after you finish, Raina? Okay, no problem. So, um, so I, I shared my perspective on the panel and uh, kind of ended up bumping heads with another panelist, but... Um, my feeling on this situation is this. Um, white people can come to our group to, to, to meet with our group, and they mm-hmm. can help us engage in the sort of social justice action that we want to engage in. What they cannot do is take over the, um, right. the conversation, and they cannot derail our mission. And right. the moment that it becomes a, a problem to where, you know, um, you know, Unfortunately, because of white supremacy and, and, and things like that, we're oftentimes black people are told that, or, or people of color are told that all of the things that we're experiencing are just in our heads. Right. Exactly. So if it becomes a situation where, where um, you know, white people in the group are, are disruptive and, and dismissing the um, feelings and emotions, because these groups are really for us to, you know, to kind of deal with issues that we that we're having in terms of, you know, not just race, but, you know, religion, faith, and all these things and how they intersect. So we can't have people in the group that are going to diminish those experiences. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can participate, but you're not going to derail the mission. And that's how I feel about right. that. And I, I think, to see, our group, our main cause is that we're saying we've been an outreach group for people who, you know, black atheists and free thinkers and humanists, as well as people who are leaving the faith. And, and I want them to be able to come to our meetings and not feel like they have to shut their mouth, you know, because of, uh, there are white people in the room. I don't have any problem with white people coming in and, and wanting to be aligned with us and that kind of thing, but I want to make sure and clear this is what this group is about so they can have a space to come and clearly talk and express and, you know, just express themselves and be a part of the community. And we're also going to network with, with, you know, all other groups that have similar goals. But I think it's important that we build up you know, our internal space, that we promote one another, particularly those who are publishing the books and who are doing the, the, the heavy work that needs to be done, because they're, they're not going to do that. They, you know, uh, Christopher Hitchens or um, Sam Harrison, they're not going to do that. And, and I don't expect right. them to. They're just not going to do it. we got to right. do it. They're not going to do that. And so it, right. it's just very telling that, you know, someone like Dr. Hutchinson or the woman who wrote the Ebony uh, what is it called, the Ebony Project, about the women leaving the church, black women in the church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, these works are just as important as, as what, you know, uh, uh, Sam Harris has written, even more important as far as I'm concerned, and yet they're not getting the attention that they need because we need to give it to attention. They're not going to do that. They, you know, they're too busy kind of self-serving their own thing. We need to give these authors and these speakers and these activists um, the attention they need uh, so they can move forward and we can build our movement. I agree. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the issues that we've been seeing in this community, um, that a lot of the um, black authors have not been necessarily getting the attention that they need 
and yet the people who really need to be shoved into the back of the closet are the ones that are basically being welcomed to the forefront. But that's, you know, another discussion there. But, you Mm -hmm. know, we need support out here. Um, We definitely need the support. But going back to Bakari's, you know, rebuttal to that particular article, yes, you know, you have some – there is a strong – Libertarian, Tea Party, mm-hmm. and conservative Republican vein in this community, and you have people yep. like um, Dave Silverman, the American Atheist President, who was at our conference this weekend. The, um, they're actively recruiting these people, and mm-hmm. the majority of these people are basically they're racist, sexist, homophobic. We won't even get into the transphobia, you know, and you know right. just the different. And they are known bigots, but yet they're recruiting them because they feel that there are some closet atheists over there. But, okay, they may have some money. You need donations. You need resources. But everything that you claim that you are against and everything that you lay at the, you know, at the at the foot of the church, you know, which is racism and all of these, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, characteristics, they lay all of that at the foot of the church saying that if we got rid of religion, those other things would magically go away, then why would you go and recruit people, especially if they're quote-unquote closet atheists, if they're closet atheists and they're still racist, still sexist, still misogynist, still, you know, homophobic and all these things, then what you're doing is proving that your theory is incorrect. They're closet Mm -hmm. atheists, but they're all of these things, and you're trying to recruit them to a community that you all claim is against all of these things, and they don't see mm-hmm. where the cognitive dissonance comes in right there. And the rest of us, you know, we're sitting out here, and, you know, these large organizations have not really said too much of anything to squash the racism, to squash the sexism, the homophobia, the transphobia, mm-hmm. the, the anti-Semitism that we see in this community. And some of them will not say anything because they're scared. They're scared that their resources will dry up, and some of the exactly. other people won't say anything because they agree with it. So why should we align ourselves with these people because their silence is tacit agreement? And I have a problem right. with that. Why are we aligning ourselves? Like I said in Wait one a minute, thread, wait a minute. That would be that would be mission drift. Right. Know, baby, of course. You know, they can't define what the mission is cuz I'm still waiting <laughs> for our bunch of other folks for them to define the mission, but they can tell you what it's not. How does that work? Anything that we want to no. do, oh, that's Kim, creep. That's mission. Kim, they have, they have, as far as I'm concerned, they have clearly defined their mission. Their mission is right. to attack the church and to uh, and and to um, attack reli- the the faithful, and that's all they want to do. They want the privilege of attacking, you know, people who are religious, and and that's all they really care about. Anything else, they don't care about. All these other issues, creationism. You know, LGBT rights. These are just these are just excuses to attack right. religious people as not, as being non-progressive. But I think Chevalier had a uh, had a comment that she wanted to add. Are you still there, Chevalier? I am still here. Please, um, go ahead. I did. I did. I just wanted to add to the uh, white people present piece 
And I just want to say I do, I echo um, Raymond's sentiments. And by that I mean I'm definitely, I'm all here for white people being present um, as far as being inclusive. I am not here for accommodating any white person because, like I said at the um, conference, I'm not here for your edification. And I feel as though right. if you really want to, you know, if, you, if you're really about it like you claim to be or like you say you want to be, then you'll be about it. Go read a book. Right. Sergio, who was on the panel, right. I want to know more about African Americans. He took a class. You don't have to take right. a class. The Internet is a beautiful thing, right? Um, That's right. Google is a beautiful thing. And oh. and I want to go back to is it Bakari, Bakari's piece on yes. um, their, their presence actually in the place, actually in the building too. And they do, like people do, they change spaces. Um, just because of, you know, our historical context with them. So I have seen as well how sometimes those of us, um, people of color, we hold back when they come into a room. Or they just make you feel different. I'm I'm one of those people too. You just make me feel different because you're here. So like for me this weekend, as much as, you know, I appreciate that this crop of white people, they just kind of STFU. And let us have our, you know, our, our thing. But for me, you know, sometimes can I just, can we have something to ourselves sometimes? Can you, is that okay? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, like like for real, can we just have something to ourselves sometimes? We mm-hmm. have to do all these things and it would have been good to just, or it would be nice if, we can just have our say so, talk amongst each other, heal the way. And you know what's so without you being Right. And you know what you know what's so interesting about that that thing, right? Is that when we have groups that and we say that we want to have a safe space for people of color to come together, white people are always so ready to say that we're self segregating. And yet right. they don't they don't see the communities that they live in. You know, there are right. so many. There are about seventy-five percent of, of white Americans live in communities where they where they don't see or know more than two, or, or interact with more than one or two white <laughs> black people a day. That's true. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, so, and your mm-hmm. they live in those communities. And and so and it's so it's so it's so interesting to me that they can accuse us of being self segregating when they when they talk of when they live in those situations and they never consider why it is that they don't know more people of color. And then the other thing about it is is that not only do they do that, but they also have these conferences where they don't necessarily take into account the location of the conference, its accessibility by metro or public transportation right. or what have you, or the cost to attend, you know what I mean? Right. Or or even if you're not having it in a in a location where you have to pay at the door, maybe you're having it in a restaurant. Have you maybe considered that not everybody has, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank and disposable right. income? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, these are just things that you have to think about. Yes, that's right. I mean it would it would definitely tap in it would I mean just being considerate of, of location, transportation and cost, um we we'll get a lot more um, students involved. Um, people right. who don't have who don't have income who don't have the income, regardless of uh, race or ethnicity. I think it would bridge the gap with with the with those um, those people that are still on the computer, you know, trying to interact, but don't feel like they have a voice or don't feel like 
um, they're welcomed or, or they're excluded just by the actions of some groups. You know, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hold my meetings in a food court. Uh, no one's obligated to pay for anything or buy anything. Just show up. Just show up and that's enjoy. Just enjoy the enjoy the company. I mean, that's um, just enjoy our company. I do invite them to things like like um, like conferences and and lectures and barbecues and social events as well. But you know, I make sure that I make sure that um, my meetings are either in places that you don't need a lot of money to enjoy yourself um, or or free. And exactly. we at Chocolate City Skeptics do the same thing. We try to keep our keep our meetings in a in a central location that's accessible to multiple, you know, forms of public transportation. We try to right. keep it at the library whenever possible, but if not the library, then someplace that's inexpensive to buy food, you know. And usually we we get like something, you know. We usually share food, you know what I mean. We get you know a couple of plates, you know. So, so if you come, you know, you're not obligated to spend anything, you know. So exactly, you know, it's about building. It's about building. It's about building community. It's about right. having that yeah. interaction yeah. and and yeah. having um, safe places for um, people who are skeptical or questioning or or interested in human uh, secular humanism or interested in um, uh, interacting with members of their community. I mean, I know it was like a mind blowing, exciting, fun experience to to meet atheists for the first time just a, just a, um, almost three years ago. And you know, just just being in the space of people who um, understand where you're coming from and just totally get you. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing like it. And and you know. Having having meetings in places that people cannot afford, um, I feel I feel is uh, neglecting those who who ha- may have some things that are valuable to share. You know, as far mm-hmm. as the conversation or or alliances with people that may have those those um, roots and connections to the community, and you can make inroads right. um, with them as well. And adding to your point, Jen, I think we also have to, con- you know, consider that um, uh, for most of the atheist community, um, you know, you know, they seem to be um, pretty invested in, you know, this, these notions of meritocracy, and you know, having you know people with the most initials behind their name speak, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and you know that's not to say that there isn't something to having you know someone who has you know studied you know in a particular field you know have, having them speak that that's something bad with that but you know there are people who have a lot of things to contribute that don't necessarily have all the initials behind their name and, and I think that right. We, right and I and I think that we saw that this weekend some you know some of the most powerful things that we heard came from the the school to prison pipeline discussion. And yes, you know, this is and and you know, one of the young ladies on the panel was, you know, she was I mean, she was just uh she was just oppressed by that system. I mean, completely. You know, I mm. mean just I mean they there they there was nothing in, in that process. There was no step where anyone stopped and said, you know what, what can we do to help this young lady? You know, but despite all of her obstacles, she's still a, a very strong voice, and she understands clearly what the issues are. 
And I was just extremely impressed by her. You know, and I'm talking right. about Tanisha Denard. Tanisha, right, from the uh, Youth yeah. Justice Coalition. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I, I think that's the reason why a lot of these conferences is important in terms of the structure to have these kind of small group either workshops or breakout sessions so that more people can get a chance to talk. Because one of the things about this country is, is it's about really shutting people's voices down and only allowing exactly. certain people to have to have the platform all the time from the politicians to, you know, business people, et cetera. And people, you know, need to feel out, figure out how to, to talk and how to express themselves, how to even, you know, convey their anger when they, when they have it. And so I think sometimes these spaces are very important to have spaces where people can break out and be more comfortable. So they, they might not speak out, you know, 50 people in the room, but they might, if it's only five or six or seven people in a small kind of sound group, they might be more willing to right. speak out. But I wanted to say one more thing, too, and I'm going to let it go. I don't want to talk all night. But I just wanted to, I think that this issue about humanism, if it's one thing that we can, I think that we can really push hard because it really, it would really help us to see what atheists are all about. I've had a couple of humans tell me they don't, they don't support humanism, which just, just shocked me, you know, totally shocked me. I mean, they, they said they don't, they don't support that. They're not into that. And, and they, one of them didn't want to talk about why uh, she felt that. And I'm like, you know, that's her business and everything, but, I think that's important that we define what we mean by humanism and what it should be about and start bringing that a part of the agenda, uh, the, the, the atheist you know, movement agenda. Bring that a part of the agenda because then you'll find out what people are really thinking. You talk about race, class, and gender equality and things of that sort. You find out where people really align. You're talking about being anti-war, anti-sexism, things of that sort. You'll, find, you'll, you'll quickly find what people's real thoughts are. Uh, beyond because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to say I don't believe in God. That's pretty. That's getting pretty easy now. But it's what do you believe in? What do you support? Exactly. That's, that's so much more important. What you believe exactly. in is so much more important than what you don't. You know. Right. That's right. 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 Well, thank you guys so much. I'm gonna get off. And keep listening. I really just so excited about what you all went and you know, have been doing, and, and very inspiring. We'll definitely keep in touch. Yeah, all right, Bakar. You know, call right. in, but yeah. make sure you touch base and send me the information um, for your group so that we can start, you know, advertising it and, you know, promoting it for you. Have absolutely no issue with that. But, yeah, start saving your coins for next year. <laughs> I'm doing the math for everybody. If you all start saving 50 bucks a month now, it would be That's $600 right. next October. So there you go. Okay. Well, I mean, one of the things one of the things I would like to one of the things that I would like to point out to everyone who um, did not attend the conference is that this conference was to in order to attend, you just had to get yourself there. Um, okay. That was it. You just had to show up. I mean, it wasn't hundreds of dollars, you know, just okay. to get into the conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe it was right. like forty dollars, and then it went to twenty-seven, and then it was, hey, show up, student show discount twenty-five, right? Student discount twenty-five. Was it a one-day conference or two That was great. Was that was great. I, I appreciate that component, y'all. And, student, and so many, student registration, right. right? And so many people showed up that you know could have, um, might not have otherwise been able to afford to come, and they benefited greatly just from being there. Mm-hmm. So people who are having a conference out here, just please, you know, just please understand that you're, um, 
you don't want to shut out um, other people and other voices in the community just by making it um, cost prohibitive. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that was important to us to make sure that it was affordable and, you know, for the people that didn't have, you know, the funds to pay anything, we were like, fine, just show up. Come on. It's just with us. It's about educating and informing and showing support and motivating others, just showing the love. Because, again, you know, this is not the easiest walk. When you walk away from religion, mm-hmm. and um, this is not easy. You know, everything in my life changed besides my attitude, besides my thought process. I mean, those changed as well. Those are usually the first things that change, but you know, I had to learn how to go to different places because the places I used to frequent, it was with believers, you know, my believer friends, believer relatives, and many of them, like I said, when they see me coming, many of them run or, you know, you can hear asses clenching, right? Because they don't know what the conversation is going to end up being, but you know, that's another reason why we do the webcast, and we put all of that out there, and we make it available, and we try to webcast as much as we can at least once a month. And we've missed a few months, but we're going to work on that. But we want to keep the dialogue going, but we also know that there are some people, you know, they they may not have lived in California, so they weren't able to get there. And that's why we do the webcast, so that you all can see that. That's why we give out our email addresses. I mean, for those that want to send us an email, or even a donation, you can do that at blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, blackskeptics at gmail.com. That's our PayPal as well. Or you can send an email or even a PayPal to people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. Again, people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. We are a 501c3 organization, so your contributions are tax deductible. And, you know, this allows us to basically bring more programs to you. It allows us to, you know, um, get engaged and involved in more social justice activism, so on and so forth. And, you know, we're transparent. We're accountable for the money that we receive. Look at this conference. You know, this was not free. It was definitely well, not free for us. You know, you know, we had to pay for all of these things. And, you know, but, again, it was a labor of love. And so next year it's going to be the same thing, you know, we're going to have in, you know, guest panelists and speakers coming in, and it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get better. And this was our first one, so, you know, it's always room for improvement, but, we definitely want you guys to be a part of it. Um, next year we do anticipate having the breakout groups like Bakari um, State because there were some people that suggested that, you know, the conference was too short. It was only a day and a half. Other people wanted to do breakout groups so that they could they foster a better understanding of the subject matter. But, you know, a lot of the feedback that we got back was, and especially from white people, is that their eyes were opened. And, you know, I gave gave some information about how the CDC awarded basically $115 million in technical assistance to 21 organizations over the next five years. 
not one of those organizations was a black provider. And they were not aware of that. I posted it on my wall. It's important for us to keep up with information like that because, again, like I said, we're dying in the streets. If we're not dying from, you know, getting the hell beat out of us, you know, by police officers or being shot by police officers or, um, you know, as, as you know, we've talked about, you know, the, some of the violence in all of our communities, you know, we have people dying from HIV, AIDS. We have people dying from diabetes. We have people dying from hypertension. You know, some some of these are preventative or they can at least be controlled. But, again, you know, the Affordable Care Act, you know, was basically made available this year. So now people have health care. And then there are still thousands of people that fall through a loophole. But not only with that being available, it's about education. We have to go back into the community and educate. So it's a lot of work that needs to be done. And that's what we're saying about, you know, having the resources and encouraging people to go and work in their community. And while you have some people in this community that feel that we should not work with people of faith, Again, you know, uh, I remember for the National HIV Testing Day, the majority of the organizations that I called and spoke with about us, you know, working with them and volunteering with them were organizations of faith, and many of them ran away when I explained who we were because they were scared. So it's getting easier. The dialogue is opening up, and this is why... Yeah, and this is why I feel that we need to be more transparent. We need to be more visible in the community, which we're working on that, you know, in Chicago as well as Los Angeles and the DMV and and, 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 um, Philadelphia and other places. We're becoming more visible and we're becoming more accountable, if you will. And it's just important for us to get out there because, again, the PR for the atheist community in general has been absolutely horrible. We've been called venomous. We've been called, you know, um, those with superiority complexes, so on and so forth. And the the stereotype is educated, wealthy, white male. And it seems as though this is what they want it to continue to be, and this is why we're getting some of the pushback that we're getting because people of, of color are starting to organize. We're starting to organize. We're starting to become more visible. We're starting to push back at the status quo in the atheist mm-hmm. community, and we're not asking them for their permission. So one of the <laughs> issues that we hey, you know, but one of the issues that I see, you know, going back to that accommodation versus inclusiveness is basically with some people their anger or their animus comes from the fact that, it is no longer centered around white males because the white female atheists or white women atheists, I'm sorry, white feminist atheists, they get pushed back from the white males as well because, again, it's not keeping them at the center of the conversation. And when we put on conferences like this and have these dialogues, whiteness is not the center of the conversation. And that is basically what I'm hearing when I see the negative pushback is we and some of the comments. Uh, one comment was I knew as we broadened the, you know, the movement that we would have wackos like this, you know, talking about social justice. There's a lot of racism in this community, and they like wow. to deny it. 
and they like to cover yeah. it up and call it color blindness or post racialism. And, you know, we've get into that discussion, but again, um there's a lot of things that are being covered up. Um at one particular conference, you know, one of the suggested speakers, you know, you know, they were asking who they would like to see and it was a trans person and basically the head of that particular organization was like, Well, we don't want to see a man in a dress. And right. these mm. are some of the attitudes that, you know, we are getting from the people in this community and I think it's a shame. And you know what I find hypocritical about it and it kinda of ties into several um of the topics here is that for this community to be so-called built on meritocracy, to be built on this superior intellect, to be built on enlightenment, why is it that they still require people of color, namely black people, namely black women, why is it that we still have to teach them everything? And as I've stated before, you know, I am no longer engaging white people in conversations about racism and sexism and homophobia, Mm -hmm. not really. I'll give you some links, point you in the right direction, but why should I educate you on this? You set yourself down and read the Bible and educated yourself on all of that. You educated yourself on whatever your specialty was when you went to college or what have you. Why can't you educate yourself on racism or how to be an anti-racist? It is not my job Mm -hmm. to convince you. If you feel that I have to sit here and do a persuasive speech to convince you to be anti-racist, I don't know. Either you're delusional or I'm stupid, but I I no longer (laughs) wish to participate in that. And it's not going to happen. You have to put in the same type of studying and the same type of, you know, dedication as you would anything else. Go ahead. I was going to say, I I contest it. I I say that they're not, they're not, uh, delusional or stupid and what they are is um you know they they these uh, you have to understand something kim <laughs> you know what i mean that um that white privilege <laughs> white privilege you know it, and, and whiteness is sort of a moving target right so right. white these white people who are no longer religious they have lost that piece of their privilege right right and so to recover that they're using, they're co-opting the language of social justice uh-huh. to recover that little piece. You know what I mean? So when they exactly. say things like they don't owe our social justice and our social justice movement anything, um, they actually aren't telling. They aren't being honest. They're actually lying because anytime they're ready to talk about human rights or atheist exactly. rights, quote unquote, they're using our language. Right. Exactly. Because because these are the rights that we've had to fight for from the beginning. Their humanity is always assumed. Even exactly. even atheists who who are white, their humanity is still assumed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's that one little area, that one little speck that someone can 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 pinpoint and question them on, and it makes them profoundly uncomfortable. And that's why they don't want us focusing on issues of social justice because it takes away from them recovering that little aspect of their privilege. Well, I, I, I agree with Kim. I mean, I, I, I agree with Kim. I, it's not that I don't want to try to talk to white people about racism, but 
I don't know about you, but I only have so much time and energy. And I'd rather exactly. spend that time trying to deal with my own and trying to keep them organized because we're facing hell. We're not doing the kind of education that we need to be doing. And so if I only got so much energy, I've got to prioritize when I'm, how I'm going to spend it. And so if, if, right. you, if, if I've got to spend all this time trying to convince you that racism after all these years exists, then, I mean, I don't have, I don't have that kind of energy. I just don't have it. Uh, and, I know. And, I and, and the is that, is oh, that if ahead. we empower yeah. ourselves, if we empower ourselves, the more we empower ourselves, we don't have to worry about what they think. We don't have to do right. that. We have to empower ourselves, right. and that takes a lot of work. That's what we were doing in the 60s. But now That's some right. of us got, you know, got a little money, got a little job, got all happy, and forgot about the people. And the masses of the people are still struggling. And in this country here, we have a real serious class divide that is making everybody just kind of like either grabbing what they can keep on their own, right, and being greedy or whatever, and then everybody in the rest of the country is having to kind of like fend for themselves. So, I mean, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's about, you know, they don't want to get on the social justice trip because they say they're going to lose something. Right, exactly. but they don't understand. No, and, 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 right, we're all going to lose if we don't get on board with this in, this injustice, this economic injustice, social injustice. If we don't get on, if we all don't get on board with environmental problems. If we all don't get on board, we're all going to lose. That's what we don't recognize. They don't recognize. Absolutely, way. and you know, and, and me and, and me and Rez were talking about this this past weekend. We, you know, she she made a really um a really, really um, lovely comment about, you know, how if, you know, how we have to be invested in our own humanity. Right. Right. And, and right. part of that investment is educating ourselves. And, um, and right. for, and for, and, you know, we also, we also talked about, you know, the experience of black people, black people in this country are, you know, we have to defend ourselves, you know, psychically, <laughs> you know what I mean? From so many different kinds of oppression and so many different kinds of insults and attacks on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That we, that yeah. it becomes, it, it, it's, it's just one more thing that drains our energy, you know, to right. have to exactly. sit and to try to convince somebody that we're human beings and that our lives matter, you know? Right. So, so when I you're want to see a black person, Go oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to finish. I was going to say, so when you're asking a black person to teach you about mm-hmm. white privilege and, and their oppression, you, you in, a, in, a, in a way, you really are oppressing them because you're, again, exactly. asking, you're kind of forcing them into a situation of, of master-slave, where now you are mm-hmm. the master, your, your humanity is assumed, and now this black person has to convince you, the master, why their <laughs> right. humanity matters. Exactly, exactly. And see, I need to throw a wild card in here. Why? Because I can. And, again, you know, we went with the, you know, the conference this weekend and the discussions. We want them to go on. We want people to broaden the topics and broaden the discussions. But, you know, since we're over here and we're talking about some of the white atheists and and their, you know, uh, disregard for social justice, what do you have to say about the black atheists in this community that have a disregard for social justice? Mm, mm, pitiful. Pitiful. I mean, here's a practical tip I would like to see, discuss. Is as we talk about, you know, getting people out of their faith and, and, and really realizing that God ain't no God out there and a little, you know, imaginary friend Jesus, what I like to see is how are we going to change these churches into actual schools? Because as long as we keep sending our kids to these schools, and some of my, you know, my kids are some of all white schools as well, 
they're not getting the kind of education they need. That's what we made a mistake back in the integration time. I understood we need to desegregate the schools, but at the same time, we sent our kids into schools that they didn't know who they are. And I'm saying is we turn those, those churches that we have now, turn them into schools. That should be our program to me in, 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 in the coming years. Because if we don't do that, it's going it's to be more generations lost because they're not getting the kind of conscious education that they need. And, and, and we don't, we're not providing the leadership that's needed as well because we don't have practical solutions. And that's where I think the millennials have a problem is that, that people come with the same kind of old, dead stuff they exactly. talked about, you know, you know, a long time ago, and they're not coming with anything new. And, and so I, I think we have to start identifying what are some practical things, visions that we want to have. What, what is our vision for change? What is our vision for a, humanistic, a real humanistic society? What is our vision for a humanistic black community as opposed to one led by, you know, uh, illusionary beliefs and all that? Well, I would say that, um, you know, I mean, I think that education is obviously important. I don't, I don't know about turning all the black churches into schools, but <laughs> what I would say is that. Um, well, I mean that metaphorically in a way. Oh, no, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, um, I, but as far as, um, as far as black um, non-believers of this community and, uh, those that I guess act as though social justice is not necessary. I don't know. I don't know if they own a television or if they read a paper right. ever, or if or if they're ever on social media. But you know, right. you have to basically, you know, you basically have to be willfully ignorant in this day and age to think mm. that social justice is something that's not necessary for Black people. I mean, right. it, it's it, it is evident everywhere. It's like it seems like every other week, and not just in 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 cities far away from me, or far away from us, but in our very own cities. You can open up the paper, and see mm-hmm. all types of abuses by by the police departments, by you know exactly. education, you know the Department of Education, by you know these these are stories that are going on in every community across this country. And, you know, we have to, you know, we have to open our eyes and we have to, you know, make connections, you know, meaningful connections with the people in our community. And we have to you right. know, strategize and build on, you know, on, and work on building solutions because, you know, sitting around and, you know, talking about how it, wouldn't it be great if there were no churches is not going to get us there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. sitting around, and see, this is, you know, one of the issues that I have um, with some of, you know, the people of color in the secular community is when we start discussing, you know, things like Islamophobia and how it allows for certain people to basically mask their disdain for black and brown people. Of course, they don't see it that way, some of them. And we've opened some people's eyes. And this is why I feel that it's really dangerous for, you know, us to point the finger at the church. Number one, you know, the church and the black community, the black church, that is, and the black community, they've been scapegoated on so many different levels on so many different levels, and what I see, you know, as a pervasive and troubling trend, especially among some people of color in the secular community, is, you know, again, it's a lot of projection. 
and they try to say that believers, regardless of how many letters behind your name or how intelligent you may be, you know, they, they, they try to make you feel like you're inferior or like you're stupid. And I have problems with that. Um, they they make it seem, I mean, it's just some of the stuff that I've seen in this community is just absolutely horrifying. And to mm-hmm. see it being perpetuated by people of color, you know, sometimes I just sit back and I just get so upset. You know, there have been a few times when I just absolutely wanted to walk away. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Raina a few months ago. I was going to end the show at the end of this year. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was going to end at the end of this year. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of health issues, too. But I decided I'm going to push on, and especially after the conference this past weekend, you know, it's like there's a thirst, a hunger for this knowledge. And, you know, when when we put on these shows and we put out here, we do it because we want to share that information. You have people in the atheist community, you have people in the believing community, you got people in, you know, unknown, unnamed communities that try to hoard this information. And we want to give it to you. We want you to have it. You don't have to go and take 20, you know, college courses, you know, as Red Ninja said, that a lot of this information was hidden from him until he went to school and he paid for those specific classes. And we're doing this. We're bringing these conversations to you. And we understand some of you all aren't out. That's why we leave the podcast up. That's why we leave the webcast up so that you know that there are people out here who are aligned with, you know, how you think and you know that you're not alone out here. Right. I was just going to say one thing. I just want to say one thing to the listeners. You're welcome. Since, since, since I helped convince Kim, since I helped convince Kim to stay on the air, you're welcome. No, Kim, you, you, you really should, Kim, you should stay on the air. But one of the things I want to say, maybe if on some of the conferences, one part of the conference might be is teaching other people how to do what you do, because a lot of times, you know, you you know, if you talk about you know, your health and other kind of issues you're dealing with, I mean that happens. And you know, the internet, I mean, right now, blog talk is. is I mean, you can pay for the premium, but, you know, you can also do a free show. So people can right. people have time for what they're really concerned about, but maybe they don't really know how to do it. And so part of the conference right. may be it's kind of some training sessions about how, you know, how to uh, organize a, a, a local black atheist, you know, group or how to get on blog talk or how to do, you know, whatever, you know, that, that's going to help. So it's not just a few individuals having to do all this kind of work, you know, because sometimes we get, people get lazy and they kind of sit back and let, let Kim do it or, or let other people do it, but yet we're not pushing them. Say, so, you know, you got to get out there too and do it. So that's one thing I'm trying to exactly. do with this group, you know, here in Sacramento. I'm not going to be the only one pushing this. I'm, I'm like, you know, look, everybody got to take on a responsibility if you're going to be in this group because I can't do it all, and, they, and I shouldn't, you shouldn't expect me to or anybody else. So, you know, exactly. maybe part of that conference is, is teaching people how to go on and have a blog talk show or how to have their own independent podcast. I mean, that's very important, too. Excellent, excellent. Yes, definitely. And, again, you know, I'm here. I'm here to answer questions and be there for other people. And, yeah, so, you know, the conversation will continue on. The conversation will, you know, we'll move forward, we'll broaden, because, you know, I have so much to talk about, so, so much to talk about. I just bought 
this book called The Arrogance of Faith. And mm. I can't wait to read, I read that, that sucker. Is- I read that. Oh, you read that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a history. It definitely is a dope history of, you know, how Europeans went into Africa and, you know, spread the religion, brought it here. And the book, you know, the book got criticized when it was out. But to me, it was, it was well-written, you know, very accessible. And the knowledge is definitely, I mean, they should bring it back in print. I think it's only in used copies now. But uh, definitely right, yeah. worth reading. You know, no, it's not a waste of time yeah. at all. It's a good book. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And see, and this is what we do. You know, we buy these books and we read them and we share that information with you. And, you know, on a really good day, I'll post some links. But, you know, I haven't been posting or having other people post as much as we used to in the past because I feel as though it was kind of overwhelming for people, you know, especially with the types of stuff that we would post. You know, we would post um Information from peer-reviewed journals, which, you know, those can be a really long read. I posted one a day, but I also posted (laughs) the short version of it, too. But, um, again, you know, moving social justice, moving social justice, moving social justice. That's a hashtag for those that are interested. Mm. They can see the live tweeting that we did. And I, I need to retweet all of those under the Black Freethinkers Twitter account. Um, I just didn't have time to do it, and I've been, like, just out of it since, you know, I got well, home. Well, run down, run, run down the list. Run, like, you know, talk of, you know, I don't know if you have a program, you know, in front of you, but um, just run down what the conferences were, like the things that we discussed and, you know, who was on the panels and, and things like that mm-hmm. for those who were there. Do you have that up, there. Tim? Because I can pull mine out if you need me to. Well, can you storify mm-hmm. it, and then I'll just put the storify up. And that'll be the end of it. Yeah, no, I mean, just for not, those who oh, didn't, just, just for those who didn't, um, who weren't there at the conference, just to know exactly what was discussed and who was on the panel and right. You know. So yeah, so sorry, y'all. My start. cat just jumped on me. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna storify the movie social justice hashtag, and I'm gonna post that in several different places, and namely on the Black Freethinkers Twitter page because I have quite a few people following me there as well as on Facebook, and I want to make sure that they get a chance to enjoy that. I've just been tired and recuperating. But, um, yo, yo guys, I am looking forward to next year. Next year, the telephone number for those who may want to call in is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And press 1 if you want to talk so I can see you there. But what would you like to see next year besides the breakout groups and longer days? So let's say we had, you know, on that Friday evening, you know, maybe we do pre-registration that Friday evening to knock some of that out the box. And yeah, nice little meet and greet. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like a little yeah. social, a little mixer. That might be nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a little mixer. Um, also, I would like to see, um, like, um, like the ability for those who who cannot attend, the ability to purchase, um, the ability to see it uh, live stream of the actual conference. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that would reach out to some people as well, and. Um, how, how, how did y'all handle housing? Did y'all, did you guys be able to like, were people able to 
like get housing and they couldn't go to the hotel or something like that, or was how was that for people well, I, coming to town? My so. own, um, I booked my own hotel, but um, mm-hmm. but I don't it, know. It it's something, that, it's something that's locally, worth looking they can open at. Up their their homes, you know, they have they can open up their homes to like you know people who don't because that can the hotels can get very expensive. That might be helpful as well, as you know, if you if you have a contingency of people who you know willing to open their homes up to for people who need to you know, have a place to stay when they come. Okay, well, we'll put that on the agenda of things to talk about um, because you still have Airbnb out there, um, and, you know, they're usually pretty good about screening. And you just never know. Maybe some people in the community that will be able to open up their homes. I know some of us doubled up um, in our rooms. So, you know, we shared our rooms. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, you have that available to you as well. But, you know, that is something to think about because I know for a couple of the conferences in particular, the Women in Secularism Conference, they have put together basically some packages that people who were willing to share their room, they were able to talk about it and share it with other people who were attending the conference as well. So we'll put that on the list of things to talk about because I think that's important. Who would you like to see at the conference next year? I would like to Pretty see much um, everyone Kimberly that Veal. was there this year. I would year. like to see Kimberly <laughs> Veal. Um, I would like to see uh, Dr. Hutchinson. I would like to see uh, Raina Rose. I'd like to see uh, Meredith Moe. Jen Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I'd like right. to see me there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I like to see. Uh, I I love to see the um, the um, the young folks we had out that talked about the prison, the school to prison pipeline. So that's uh, Mark Johnson and Ashley Franklin, Tanisha Dennard. Um, I I really enjoyed the tweets from um, Haina Databoy. She was really um, really up on a lot of the Twitter. Um, like um, oh, we have about a, we have a um, suggestion from someone just somebody just texted me. It was actually Chevalier just texted me. Andrea Plaid must be there next year. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I got. I, I did get to see her. I did get to see her. Um, I I'm looking forward to seeing the um, you know, the panel discussion about um, feminism. I you know I'm looking forward to seeing that one. And um, Dr. Penn, of course, you know. Um, Frank Anderson. And Rev. We can't forget about Rev. Yeah, I mentioned Rev. He said Rev, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What about the guy that did the contradictions, the movies that's coming out? Have you guys heard about that, right? Oh, what do y'all think about that? <laughs> Maybe I should ask that question first. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. sorry. I'll send you a link. Uh-oh. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Uh-oh. If you go back to our archives, if you go back right. to the archive the beginning of okay. 2014 in January and February, just listen to okay. all the shows in January and February, and you will have okay. your answers. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, mean, I, I mean, I think that. I mean, I think that, that, I mean, I I think that okay, it would okay. be good to have a. It would be good to have like. Um, you know, an open dialogue with people that may be interested in, you know, uh, the Moving Social Justice Conference. Um, I mean, there was a number of people there that I discussed issues with that 
you know, I didn't 100% see eye to eye with. And I like I like the yeah. idea that we had diversity and, and thought, you know, um, and conversation. Agreed. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not one for I'm I'm one for like hey well you know if there's if there's some ways that we can bridge the gap and find some common ground or common interests you know I, I think it's I think it's worth having a conversation. You no, know, I certainly agree in having diverse perspectives present in the conference. Um, what I am not okay with is um, is having people who espouse some, you know, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, you know, beliefs, you know, present. But that's just right. me. Right. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I know where you're I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming yeah. from with that. And I totally agree with that. Um but yeah. I was just saying speaking in general that you yeah. know I mean there's gonna be yeah, some we're on the suggestions same page. out there that we might not you know, see a hundred percent like, hey, I'm going. I, I definitely agree with this person totally. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, even with on, even on the panel, some of, some of the points, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did have a number. We did have some of that. Um, but I mean, I think definitely send in your requests or send in your your um, who you think should be on it or in it, and you know. Um, and anyone who's out there who's interested in being a part of the conference next year, you know, open that dialogue. It's not a it's not a definite yes. We just it's definitely a screening process involved. You know, right. we definitely yeah, don't want racists sitting on tra- transphobics and and racist folks yeah. on the panel or anti, yeah, we're not inviting David Duke anti- next year. Women. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we're not inviting us. Yeah, David Duke will not be a panelist. So you right. know, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But um yeah, I mean yeah, there's a number of people I'd like to see. Definitely everyone I saw this year. Um mm-hmm. definitely everyone I saw this year. I did like I did like the way um Tika Lark Fleming um moderated our panel. Um mm-hmm. and I Yeah, she was I, great. I just, yeah, she was great. You know I, who, I enjoyed our discussion. You know who I'd like you know. to see? I'd like to see, um, you know, Elon James White, if 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 that were ever possible. I I really do like what he's doing with, um, you know, Twib. Um, you know, that's a what's how does that stand for now? I now now because I've said it, I can't think of what it stands for. This week in blackness, right? Yes, of course, this week in blackness, and I only forgot it because I said it. So, um, <laughs> but um, this week in blackness. Um, I also um. Uh, what's uh, Jelani Cobb? I think is is yes. brilliant. And um, if that were possible, I would like to see him there. Norm Allen would be great. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Norm Allen would be great. Um, but you you know, there's just a lot of people out here doing some really interesting things that would be, you know, nice additions to the conference. So right, exactly. I'm sure I'm sure I could think of some other names too. I just like right off the top of my head, I'm definitely going to su- submit some suggestions. Um, yeah, as well, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just really, um, I'm really excited about what's to come. I mean, I think next year is definitely going to be uh, bigger and better. Definitely. Um, yeah, but, I wouldn't miss next year. But, but first I mean, time, but first times, 
But for a first conference, it was awesome. I mean, I said it was yeah. well done, well done. Bravo. Yeah, this Definitely. year's conference was great, and if you missed it, you missed out. But I think I think next year you really don't want to miss out because it's going to be even bigger, you know? Yeah, because we're going to so. show out next year. We're going to show up and we're going to show out. That's all I have to mm-hmm. say. Uh, we're going to have a really good time. And so before we move on, I would like to thank our sponsors. I would like to thank African Americans for humanism. You know, Debbie Goddard was there, and she was absolutely phenomenal. She gave she some opening words at the beginning. She said on my panel, um, LGBTQ, queer, atheists of color, and social justice, um, we would like to thank CFI LA. Jim was absolutely marvelous. You know, beautiful facility, um, all of the volunteers, absolutely wonderful people. Um, and we thank them for all of their participation. We would like to thank SSA, which is Secular Student Alliance. They um, allotted some travel grants and helped people um, with $200 um, vouchers, helped them to get to the conference and you know, help them to be able to enjoy this experience. So, you know, you know, we'd like we would like to thank them and you know all of their hard work there. Um, we would like to thank LA Progressive and you know the uh, everything that they've done. These you know Sunday were Assembly just a, came out. I'm oh, sorry. Yes, exactly. Oh, they're not a sponsor though. They're not a sponsor, but we like to thank them anyway. You know, because they yeah. came out, they wrote a beautiful article saying we're not in Kansas anymore. If you all get a chance to check that out, please do um, Sunday Assembly. And like I said, a lot of people's eyes were opened, um, especially some of the white people. They had not realized what was going on, you know, in our particular communities. And, you know, one thing I would like to thank the white people for not asking us about black-on-black crime. Oh, you know, my God. <laughs> please, please, can we get a hand clap for that? Yes. Yes. Because... Because that I was so dreading that question coming out, Kim. You have no idea. Like I really, really, really was dreading that because I, I've just seen it come up in so many conversations where you know black atheists or black um, you know humanist panelists were were speaking at some of these conferences. I, I'm so tired of that question. I just don't even know what to say about it. Like it's terrible. It, it, it's it's a racist question. And yes, Matt Dillahunty, your question can be racist if it has an underlying assumption about the defectiveness of black people. You know? Yep. Yep. All righty then, Raina. Just tell us how you really feel. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I would like to see more people of faith. Um, represent, like I said, Reverend Meredith Molise. She was absolutely off the chain. You know, every, she did a fantastic bang up job. And I mean, but she's been out here in the trenches. And I don't like to use that term because I'm like, we are not in a war, but we are in a war. I, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. But she's been out here in the streets. She's been out here with the people. She's, you know, again, many of us still live in these communities. And as I've stated before, it is in my best interest to make sure that Pookie and Ray Ray now eat. It is in my best right. interest to make sure Pookie and Ray Ray now have a place to stay. You understand? Because right. I live next door to them. 
And besides well, not me, just that, but they're but their oppression's directly connected to your oppression. If they if they can't if they if they get pushed out of the neighborhood and rents go up, your rent goes up. You know what I mean? Exactly. 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 So we want to see more mm-hmm. people of faith. We'll be reaching out throughout the year to uh, people of faith all around the country because what has happened with this conference, as for me, it has emboldened and encouraged me to reach out more. You know, some of the issue was I was scared to reach out or I felt, you know, dejected, if you will, um, in regards to reaching out to some of the liberal progressive churches and people out here. But, yeah, Yvette Flunders, Cynthia Hale, we're going to reach out to you. We're going to reach out again. You know, Otis Moss, um, you know, Freddie Haynes, and a number of other people. You know, I know who you are. And so um, it's, it's just it's really interesting. And those are pastors that are very liberal, very progressive, especially Yvette Flunder. You know, I would love to have her. Um, be a part of the conversation, especially see her on Rev go at it. Now that would be interesting. It will. It wouldn't be contentious. It would be a very interesting conversation for a number of reasons. But um, again, you know, next year Houston, Texas can't do anything but get better, and you know, have to give an extra, extra, extra large shout out to Dr. Hutchinson who took on, you know, a lot of work, a lot of responsibility to bring this forth this year. This is the first one, and it was in Los Angeles. So the West Coast finally got some attention, got the attention and love that it deserved. But not only that, you know, this was an extension of Dr. Hutchinson's hard work and dedication over the years. And I want to make sure that we acknowledge her. You know, I'm I'm asking you all to take a few minutes out, whether to inbox her or to email her or or text her or whatever, and just let her know how much you appreciate her. Let her know how much you appreciate what she has done and what she has sacrificed um, in, in, in basically trying to, you know, be there for us. You know, that's what it all boils down to. You know, she's definitely one of the beacons of light in this community, and I want her to understand and to know that we appreciate her now. Just like, you Mm -hmm. know, um, when I interviewed Norm Allen on the show, I just had to let him know that we appreciated him. Let's let these people know that we appreciate them now, not when they're dead and gone. Oh, I love her, but I just time. No, take time out now. Take time out now. They can't hear you. (laughs) Exactly. They can't hear you. (laughs) Right. They can't hear you. Hey, you know, and, you know, so that's what we're saying. And, again, um, you know, we have these organizations out here. We advertise for the groups across the country, well, most of them. And, you know, just you know, it's, it's some people out here doing some good work. Not everybody out here. Well, I just want to people. take an opportunity to acknowledge Kim because Kim had, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, Kim is modest. So Kim is not going to tell you how much involvement she had in the conference, but she was, she, she helped, she helped um, Dr. Hutchinson out a lot. She was her right hand in, in a lot of this. So, 
thank you very much, Kim, for all your hard work, and we love you. Thank you, and I love you guys, too. And like I said, this was love. This was definitely a labor of love, you know, not only to the people in this community, but, you know, also to the people that are out there listening. You know, we're trying to provide a soft place for people to land. But, you know, these young people, these young people, you know, they are inspiring me. And I always thought it should be the other way around, but it's, you know, too many of us that were out here, and some of us weren't taught. Some of us, you know, have been walking in fear, if you will, and these children are saying, no, no more of this, because it's just they want a future. They want to be able to, you know, have a career, have a job that pays a decent amount of money. Who wants to work three jobs, three full-time jobs to provide for their Mm -hmm. children, but they never get to see their children? The children are raising themselves, and it's still not enough money, and they still have to go to the food pantry to get a couple of bags of food to make it through the end of the month, while the corporation that they're working for is making multi-billions of dollars each quarter in profit. Right. So, and, you know, we talk about, you know, these political issues. And, you know, unfortunately, you have a lot of people out here that try to avoid that. And Lakeisha, bougie black girl, wrote an article. And she was saying, basically, telling religious people not to allow their religion to keep them away from, you know, social justice or, or or marching or protesting for change. And the same thing applies in, you know, the atheist community. And I don't care what these people are telling you, when you become an atheist, your racism doesn't necessarily automatically go away. Your <laughs> your phobia, your homophobia, that is a fallacy. That is right. a fallacy. And these are issues that need to be confronted. But for shits and giggles, since we got you know seven and a half minutes to go until we go into overtime, if you want to call in, uh, you, got, you got you got you got you got me for four more minutes because I'm about to go get my spot so that I can go watch oh. How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So four more minutes, but oh, but you don't want to talk about this. But anyway, three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Child, have you all seen that article? How anti atheism is the new racism? Go, Raina. Oh, child. Yes, of course I saw that crap. <laughs> Again, this is, you know, all of this boils down to the fact that there are a lot of white atheists who are who are um who are unsettled by the fact that their atheism, you know, it, it brings them in, in, into being questioned a little bit, you know. There's this aspect of themselves that's not, you know, universally accepted. And so they have to make like this is the same on the same on par, rather, with, you know, racism and, you know, um, discrimination against immigrants and, you know, civil rights and all of these types of things. And you have to remember that this is all taking place within the context of a post-racial society where white people now believe that anti-white racism is more prevalent than uh, than anti-black racism. 
you know, as though anti mm-hmm. there's really no such thing as anti-white racism. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it has to be said. I mean, you know, we have we we have allowed this notion of racism as this thing that happens between people, like it's bullying, you know, like it's the mean girls, and you know, people won't, you know, let you sit at their table at lunch. You know, we've allowed this notion of racism to, you know, become prevalent. You know. But yeah, but I'm sorry. It's, it's political and economic, you know. Exactly, uh, it's political, yeah. it's economic, and it's social. It happens along all of those dimensions, and um, right. and you know, I'm sorry to tell you, um, you know, there's there there, you know, I, I have to be the one to tell you this. There is pretty much no place on this earth that a white person can go, you know, where they really have to be in fear of their lives. You know what I mean? Right. There's there's very 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 few places that cannot be said of people of color. That cannot exactly. be said of people of color. I, I, yeah, I, I think, think the biggest thing that people don't get is that. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say I think that you know one one reason why I really wasn't listening to the second. Show. So I didn't hear the second yet. I had the first yet. No, I, okay, I was gonna say part. one reason why I did the show. One thing we did a show on the uh, New Jim Crow is that people really need to understand institutionalized racism and also internalized racism. I mean, those are the, this is really what we're fundamentally doing. But we have some outrage, you know, systemic racism going on. Some of it is, is clear as day. Some of it, though, is very institutionalized. And so when people, you know, I know that word racism is very charged, but that means you don't understand. That means you haven't done any, any uh, 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 study of it. And, wh- and what it is right. is that you think just because, you know, there's, uh, that we have institutions that are desegregated now, quote-unquote desegregated now, that that's the end of racism. Or because we have a black president, that's the end of racism. What that means, it tells me you have not studied anything about racism. And, and two is that you want to make excuses for the racism exactly. that is going on. I mean, this is, what I, this is what I encounter a lot of times is people making excuses for why, you know, a white cop in, in, in Ferguson shoots an unarmed young boy. I mean, you know, there's no excuse for that. That's the only conversation I want to have is he was unarmed and this cop came in his community and shot him. I don't care about other things like that. So on the periphery. So if you don't see that, if you don't see how, the, how that's tied to the racism of the department in Ferguson, then I, I, we got a problem here. That means you haven't really thought about it. What you're thinking about is, is that you think your society is, is so benevolent that you think you can do no wrong that Mike Brown must have did something wrong. Because nothing, it's nothing wrong with the system. It's, it's wrong with the individuals, particularly black people. We're the ones with the problem, not the system at all. And so people are in denial. Mm-hmm. To me, a lot of it is denial and also about privilege. I want to maintain what I have, and I'm, I'm going to make any kind of excuse that I, you know, consciously or unconsciously, make any kind of excuse that I can to maintain what I have. This is what's going right. on. Right, and not just and not just to maintain what you have materially or, or in terms of privilege. Mm-hmm. But also to maintain that sense of um, that sense of comfort, that sense of psychological comfort that I'm okay. You know, I'm right. not racist. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I love black people. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that, right. that right. you know they want to feel like they're okay, especially in a world that is that is very reassuring to white people. You know, if, if right. I was a white person, I I'd have to feel pretty good about myself watching TV. You know what I mean? Or exactly. watching the History exactly. Channel and watching and reading books and and especially reading children's books. Are you kidding me? You know, there mm. are very few books that even have you know children of color in them or, or people of color in the children's books that um that are you know prominent characters. 
You know what I mean? So we're all of us are are from a from a very early age are taught to identify with white people, and that and you know and that's not to say that we shouldn't identify with each other because we should we should identify with white people. We should identify with Asians, with Hispanics, with you know everyone. You know because we're human beings, but you know we we just we have to start recognizing. Look, I mean- white supremacy for what it is. You know my, what I mean? My son, my son is in seventh, no, he's in uh, eighth grade. Now, check out the two, the only two books they read so far this year is The Outsiders. I think I'll be done with The Outsiders. Then they go to The Killer mm-hmm. Mockingbird. I mean, where is it? You oh, see wow. my point? And this is happening yeah. all over the country. You see, our right. kids are not even being able to see themselves, but yet he has to, has, you got to sit in that classroom and discuss, you know, racism from a Killer Mockingbird point of view. I mean, that's, Right. That's problematic. That's seriously right. problematic. Right. It's very that's problematic. It's extremely it's problematic. problematic. I mean, it's just like movies. It's just like movies like Lincoln. Like, you know, a lot of people praise Lincoln. And, right. and Lincoln was a good movie. I'll say that. But the point, the, the fact of the matter is, is that all of these movies that have come out, particularly when it comes to racism and, and slavery, they all, for the most part, have white protagonists. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's white for a white reason. Paternalist, white protagonists. That white paternalist, right. paternalism is characters right. too. Right, and so exactly. when, when we and and so that's important when you're talking about things like slavery because it colors our view. Because what what happens is we walk away from these movies thinking that oh, but ultimately white people, you know, you know they they freed the slaves and they were you know they're good <laughs> people. You know what I mean? Right. But it ignores right. the fact that black people themselves were fighting for their rights from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It okay. ignores the mm-hmm. fact that black people took their freedom into their own hands. That, you know, and we talk about people, you know, we talk about a lot of people today, especially in terms of, like, the civil rights movement and, and, and stuff now, right? Like, so we, so a lot of people are looking at those people in Ferguson as, like, you know, not um, as, as, as criminals, you know what I mean, as people who are rebelling against the system, you know, with, without cause. But the fact of the matter is, is that those people in Ferguson and, and a lot of, and, you know, even the ones that are getting arrested, they're no different than Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a That's criminal. Right. She was a criminal. If they could have caught her and hanged her and lynched her, yeah. they would have done it. They mm-hmm. would have done it. Yep. She exactly. would have been a victim of state violence had she been caught. And that exactly. and that's and that's why she carried a gun with her because she had to assure that anyone who was with her was 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 serious about making it to freedom because anything else would have put her and the rest of the people that she was trying to ferry to freedom in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As well as the people who were helping them. Right. Right. Exactly. And exactly. on that note, we're going to end this show so Randy can go see her about Ola Davis. And yes. everybody, we love you. We, again, this is a labor of love. This is just the beginning. Again, October of 2015 in Houston, Texas. I'm guaranteeing you 50 bucks a month, $600. 75 bucks a month, $900. 
So you do the math. All right, honey. Look, I don't know what I'm talking about Sunday, but I'll be talking about something. I don't know. Anyway, you all take it easy. Again, we, we care about you. You're not alone out here. And we will pick it up. Thank you, Chevalier, Bakari, Raina, Jen, Rev. She dropped the line. I think Marcus was down there somewhere because I tried to pick it up, and he was saying something. Anyway, you guys, everybody who made it to the conference, even those that weren't able to and supported us, we appreciate you. All right, now, y'all, take it easy. And, Raina, call uh, me after your show goes off. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.